Dear God, what they just sang, oh my, the red letter promise of Jesus, two or three of you together, I'm there. Two of you agree about anything you need of heaven, I will give you. Well, we're all agreed that this teaching, whatever it is, needs the full-oared power of the mighty third person of the Godhead released through it. So please have your way. Hide me. Hide any distractions right now. May your voice, may the voice of God somehow penetrate our inner thought processes and leave us never the same again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Because, you see, that's, that's particularly why I'm, I'm really enthusiastic about this series. I've been working all summer on it. I believe that what you're about to discover, that we will discover together, is going to change your life. You will never be the same again. It will change your life forever. The only reason I know that is because this teaching this summer has changed my life and my mind how I think, and I will never be the same again. I tell you this not because I have found something. I'm nothing. But I came across three authors who found this for me, and because they have helped me, I promise God, if this is clear to me, I will teach it to you. Now, the title of this series is a hashtag. Hashtag RXF4NOW. The reason it's a hashtag is, number one, you can use that hashtag. We got a team that will be monitoring the hashtags in, on Twitter all through every presentation. You can use that hashtag. I beat you to it. I started it last night because I tweet on Friday nights. Number two, the reason for this hashtag as our title is because the hashtag says it all. You say, Dwight, I don't see a thing in that. That's okay. It'll come to you someday. Even if you think you know it now. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Listen to our president, our brand new president, Andrea Luxton, standing right here on Thursday, preaching to the entire university community. And she announces to us, hey, you know what this new year is going to be about? It's going to be about stories, because we are all stories in the writing. Thousands of stories at Andrews University, thousands at the Pioneer Memorial Church. It's the blending of the story. So why not start off with the story that predates us all? Genesis chapter 1, let's go. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. You didn't bring a Bible. Got a pew Bible right in front of you. Page 1 in the pew Bible. I'm in the New International Version. Genesis chapter 1. Here we go. Verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. We might as well cut to the chase. There is no more powerful force in the entire universe than the word God speaks. 
That point is so critical to the truth we will discover together this morning that we, 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 we got to write, write it down right now. Grab your study guide out of your worship bulletin. There is a study guide, a brand, brand new study guide. We've gone all summer without study guides, but we're back into them now. Come on, ushers. Thank you for making sure that everybody here gets a study guide. Yeah, here they come. You didn't get a study guide? Hold your hand up. The ushers balcony here. They will assist you. Those of you watching right now on a screen somewhere, let me put our uh, website on the screen. There you go. You see it? There it is. New, new series, hashtag RXF4NOW. Title of today's teaching, Believe. Notice the exclamation mark, all right? Believe. You go to, you go to that uh, website, www.newperceptions.com. You'll see the hashtag. Click on Study Guide. You'll, get, you'll have it. You'll want this collection. There is a chain right now. And we go. Okay, so come on. Let's jot it down. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. We just read these words. And God said, let. Ooh, circle that word because we're coming back to it. You'll see that word all the way through. Let there be light. And there was light. Keep writing. There is no more powerful force in all the universe than the word that God speaks. What's that mean, Dwight? Hang on. Keep writing. Whatever he says is. In other words, when God speaks a word, that spoken word creates the reality it describes. God speaks the word light, and in a nanosecond, boom, there is light. Because the Word of God is the most powerful force in the universe. That's why. And so that's why in the, in the creation account, you'll find two phrases woven all the way through. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. Day number two, and God said, let there be atmosphere, and it was so. Day number three, God said, let, the, let there be land with vegetation upon it, and it was so. Day number four, God said, let there be lights in the sky, sun, moon, and planets, and it was so. Day number five. Let there be birds in the air and fishies in the sea. And it was so. Day number six. Let there be animals that roam and crawl over the face of the earth. And it was so. Also day number six. Let there be man. Let there be woman. And it was not so. You know why? Because he never said it. We are the only part of this creation that God refused to speak into existence. He is so in love with the very thought of this new race that he will painstakingly, personally sculpt a man and a woman into existence. And then he will, with his own breath, you could almost say that when he created us, it took his breath away. And by the way, who's the creator? Never forget that the creator in Genesis 1 is the creator in John 1. You'll look all these verses up in your Bible and mark them down. I know you will, so we're just going to put them on the screen now. John chapter 1, verses 1, 3, and 14. Jot it down. In the beginning was the what? Say that to me. What is it? In the beginning was the Word, the most powerful force in the universe. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made. And God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And the word, who is this word, by the way? At verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. Christ Jesus was and still is our creator. He is the creator of the universe. 
That's the point. In the beginning, when he spoke a word, that spoken word created the reality it described. Today, when he speaks a word, that spoken word will create a reality it describes. God says, you can't miss this. You can't miss this. So it is replete throughout Scripture. Here's one I want you to see in your Bible. Don't want you to read it off the screen. Isaiah. Oh, this is good. Isaiah chapter 55. <clears throat> Isaiah 55. Page 498 in the Pew Bible. Isaiah 50, 55. So we go back to the creation. The, the, the theme of the creation is woven in in verse 10. We want to get to verse 11, but verse 10 sets us up with the creation motif. Isaiah 55, verse 10. You got it there? Good. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, there's only one place on earth where you can get rain and snow the same day, and that's Michigan. This text was written for people from Michigan. How did God know? How did he know? But he did. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Here it comes now. So is my word that goes out from my what? From my what? From my mouth. I speak it. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That is so dynamite. You got to fill the verses in. We're going to get a double reading of this. Write it down. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You see, whatever God says is. When God speaks a word, that spoken word creates the reality that it describes. I'm reading the Message Bible through right now. I, started, I began reading it uh, middle of the summer. And I said, I want to read this Message Bible through before hope trending. And the only way I could do it, I calculated it, would, was to read 30 pages a day. So as a part of my worship now, 30 pages a day from the message. So just this week, I'm in Isaiah, and I found this verse, Eugene Peterson, who only can uh, render something with, in, a, in a fresh twist. I'll put it on the screen for you. Jot it down. Isaiah 45, 23, from the message. Every word out of my mouth does what it says. Isn't that good? Every word out of my mouth does what it says. Which is why, by the way, Titus 1-2. I'm going to put Titus 1-2. Throw him for a loop up there. I'm going to put Titus 1-2 on the screen right now because you see it in your study guide. God cannot lie. Every word out of my mouth does what it says. So if, if, we, if God steps into, in, into our space today and said, oh, by the way, I have a little announcement to make. The sky today is chartreuse. Guess, guess what color the sky is? It's chartreuse. If God says, I haven't even looked at the color out there, but what, whatever God speaks exists. He cannot lie. Because if he says it, what's the point? If he says it, it is. Wow. Omnipotent power. Not only in the words of God, but in the word of God. Watch this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Jot it down. All Scripture is God-breathed. Hyphenated word. 
I love it in the NIV. All Scripture is God-breathed. Remember, we just read it a moment ago. Read it with John as he read our Scripture. Psalm 33, verse 6. And all the starry host of them by the breath of his mouth. All Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The book. Here's, here's the deal. The book is the Word of God. And this book, as the Word of God, can, un- can unleash omnipotent power in your mind. I'm going to share a testimony with you in just a moment how this has changed my life. It will change the way you think, it will change the way you feel, it will change the way you live, it will change your new year. The power is in this God-breathed Word. Whoa. In fact, when the Word was here among us, made flesh, he drove home that point. Don't want you to miss it. These would be red letters in your your Bible, but we'll put it on the screen. John 6, 63, Jesus speaking. The words I have spoken to you. The what? The what? The words. All the red-letter words in the, in the Gospels, those are the words he spoke. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit. And by the way, the Greek word for spirit is breath. can be translated the wind, breath, spirit. They are full of the breath of God, the Spirit, and life. Now, there's an idea for you. You want a, you want a little a unique devotional life for, at the beginning of this new year? Why not go on a red-letter diet? For your worship, just the red letters. You work your way slowly through one of the Gospels, one at a time. Why not? Every word is breathed. Breathed. The Spirit of God, every word has my life embedded in it. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, read my word. Believe my words. And they will come to life in you. By the way, that's the only variable The only variable, the only condition for this profound truth that we are coming to grips with, some of you encountering it for the first time in your life, that's the only variable variable to this truth, and that is you must believe. And by the way, just because I know what you're thinking, God is not, God is not like these long legal releases you have to scroll through when you're downloading an app onto your device. You go through, read, 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 get all the way to the bottom and says, I agree, or I have read this agreement. You know those that you never read? God is not like that. We were having staff this week, and we're putting together an app, a ticket management app, because it's by tickets that you get into the Howard Performing Arts Center. Free, free. So we're, we're checking different apps out, and one of our staff said, hey, guess what? I went and read the Terms of Agreement. I actually copied and pasted 27 pages, 20, this long, 27 pages of these. And at the very bottom, it reads, I have read the terms of this agreement. <laughs> Please. Is that what God is doing with this stupendous promise of his, embedding it with so many exceptions that he'll never have to deliver? Nope, nope, nope. Only one, only one condition. Here it is. Jot it down. Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible Hall of Faith. Hebrews chapter 11, definition of faith, verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. That's what faith is. I don't see it. I can't, I can't feel it. But I believe. 
Oh, don't, don't miss verse 6. Also there. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know why? Because anyone who comes to God must believe, number one, that he exists, and number two, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, guys, look, God is not trying to play hard again. I'm going to make this so hard you'll never be able to get to me. Are you kidding? This is the most logical thing for God to say. Hey, you and me, we're going to do business together. Now, I've got to tell you, if you don't believe me, if you do not accept my word, you reject it, we can't do business. It's not my fault. I want to do business, but you have to trust me. You have to believe me. That's what he's saying. Reminds me of the story of the desperate father of the boy possessed with the evil demon and the disciples are absolutely unable to cast out that demon. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up. You remember this? And the desperate father, heartbroken father, cries out, yo, if you can, have mercy on me and my boy. And Jesus turns right around and he quotes the father. What is this? Mark 9, 23. And Jesus says, if you can, you're saying to me, if you can, fill it in. Everything is possible for the one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, oh, I do believe. Please help me overcome my unbelief. And with that, the boy is, boom, he's healed. The demon cast out. What's up with that? I'll tell you what's up with this. That father did not have pure belief. By his own admission, he had some belief and he had some disbelief. But apparently, Jesus is not demanding perfect faith. Not even requiring a faith with no doubts. I'll take it with your doubts. All I need is just a grain of mustard seed amount of faith. Just give me a grain. Just a grain. That's all I needed for the Father. That's all I need for you. But I have to have that mustard seed. What did we just read? Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. After all, by the way, that was certainly on display in that pagan Roman centurion who interrupts Jesus one beautiful Palestine morning when he says, excuse me, sir, I have a servant very dear to my heart and he is dying. I need you to heal him. I'll go to your house. No, 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 no. You're not coming to my place. No. You just say the word. You just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus wheels around on his heel. And he says, I've been hanging around the safe for years, and I have never found this kind of faith that this pagan Roman just has displayed. And then Jesus turns back to that soldier. And eye to eye, Jesus speaks these words. Matthew chapter 8, verse 13. Go. Let, now I want you to write that word in because there it is again, let. Let it be done just as you believed it would be. Let it be done. The same creator who cried out, let there be light, cries out to this pagan centurion, let it be done as you believe. And boom, it was. God said it was done. God said it was done. Let it was done. Wow. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. Now, look, there's one more story. We got to share this one. In the middle of the night, 
Once upon a time, God shows up to a friend of his who is sound asleep. And God says, Hey, Abraham, Abraham, yo, sorry to wake you up. But I've been thinking, I've been listening to you and Sarah. I know how disappointed you are with me. You know I promised you a child, and you're beginning to doubt that I could ever give you what I promised you. So you and I need to have a conversation. Crawl out of that bed, please. Abraham tiptoes out of the tent. He steps beneath this midnight sea of silver, like the little boy on the cover of today's worship bulletin. And he looks up, and God says to him, the pre-incarnate Christ, Good for you, Abraham. I want you to look up there. Look, look, look. Do me a favor. Will you count them? Count them for me. I need to know. Okay, God, I will. Oh, God, this is crazy. This is impossible. That's my point, Abraham. That's my point. I promised you. The word came out of my mouth. You will get it from me. And both Genesis 15, verse 6, and Romans chapter 4, verse 3, read the identical way, jot it down. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Do you know what Abraham did as he's looking up at the stars and God whispers in his ears, you're going to have descendants this many? Do you know what Abraham did? He said, amen. That's all he did. They are not having a theological discussion. God is not unfolding the plan of salvation. They're having, they're talking about a promise that Abraham once upon a time received from God and he's not sure it's going to come through now. And Abraham finally says, Amen. And God said, Perfect. You are righteous. That's all I need. I accept your amen. I now declare you right. Because righteousness at its gut essence simply means right. I declare you right. A kind physician who lives on the other side of the lake from us, the state over there to the west, sent me a book this summer. I read it. It has hugely impacted my thinking and my living. It's written by a young New Zealander named Cameron Schofield. Title of the book, Heralding the Loud Cry. Schofield captures this moment that we just lived. I put Schofield's words on the screen. You can read it off the screen. You can, it's in your study guide. You can take it home. God said to Abraham, look at the stars. Tell the number of them, and so shall thy seed be. And Abraham believed God. He said, amen. And what did God say? God said, you are right. You are righteous. Now, he asked us readers a question, Cameron does. Are you willing to believe that is how Abraham became righteous? But does that sound too easy? When God says something, is he right? <laughs> of course, Cameron, he's right. And if I say that that is so, that what he has said is so, then am I not right as well? Of course, Cameron, you're right. If God is right when he says it, and I say amen, 
let it be so, so be it. Those are ways to translate the word. Then am I not right? In fact, am I then not as right as God is? Well, of course you are, because if God's right, and I say amen, I'm right, I'm just as right as he. And if he is right, and I say the same thing that he has said, can he say I am wrong? No, he can't. You're right. You're not wrong. You're right. Amen, you said. One more line. Whatever it is, no matter what it is, whatever he says, if we will believe it, God will say, you are right. You are right. End quote. Bing. You see, that word righteousness can be a formidable barrier for us. It's a kind of a scary word. It's, it's the word that threw Martin Luther for a loop, creating this deep fear of the holy God he was seeking to please, whose acceptance he was desperate to win. He was never sure that his sins were forgiven, let alone forgotten. And so he would flagellate himself for hours and hoping, hoping that this will win God's, okay, okay, you are okay, Martin, you're okay. But as Cameron helps us see, at its vital core, righteousness is simply about being in the right. And what part of me needs to be in the right? The part of me that says, amen to God's promise, which also is right. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. What's the it? Tell me what the it, what's the antecedent to the it? What's the it? And it, what is it? Believe. Yeah, it was the act of believing. Abraham said, Amen. You got it. You got it. When God declared Abraham righteous, God was saying, You are right. I accept your Amen. I accept your believing in my promise. You are right. Read that line again. Put it up, please. Cameron. Whatever it is, no matter what it is, whatever God says, if we will believe it, God will say, you are right. You are right. And what is so right about you and me? What is right is that we say amen to the promise of God. By the way, any promise of God, not just a reserve, any promise of God, say amen to it. He says, you're right because I'm right. We're right together. Too simple, too simplistic. We're going to spend a few days this fall exploring this truth. I know it will leave you never the same because of what's happened to me just in a few weeks. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to close with a personal testimony. There's been some stuff I have struggled with in my life, most all of my life, I suppose. I want to share a struggle with you to show you the divine power behind this teaching that when God speaks a word, that spoken word creates the reality it describes. Because you see, the God who says, let there be light, 
The God who said, let there be light, is the same God who said, jot this down, please, John 14, 27, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I have struggled with fear on and off throughout my life. Sometimes quite rational, I think. Uh, sometimes very irrational. But when a writer named E.J. Wagner and another one named Cameron Schofield led me through this series of Bible verses we have just shared this morning, it, it, it suddenly dawned on me. God's spoken word creates the reality that it describes. And I was out running one morning this summer. I know the very place. I know the very second in that run. I'm near the end of the run. And I, I am just opening my heart up to God. I said, God, these fears, can't you say anything to me for them? And just like that, the Spirit of God said to me, while I'm running, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And it was just, it was one of those, those eureka moments when all the study and, and reading I've been doing just came together in my personal struggle. And I realized the one who says, let there be light, just said to me, Dwight, let not your heart be troubled. Let it not be afraid. And you know what? It hasn't been since. What's up with that? Who thought of this? God says, when the word comes out of my mouth, it will accomplish what I designed it to accomplish. I don't want you to, I don't want you to ever be afraid. That little fishing skiff that's going down, they didn't have to be afraid. You don't have to fear. Let not your heart be afraid. Boom, gone. So then I sat down and I said, wow. I'm going to see how many of these little let commands that God has woven into Scripture. I found 28 of them. Let. And don't come up afterwards and ask me for it because you're not getting a single one of them. You do the work. I pointed it out. You do the work. You find them. All you need is a concordance and look up the word let and look up every reference to let. You'll see there are way more than 28. Because you see, another struggle I've had, and some of you have this same struggle. I really struggle to be like Jesus, to be honest with you. It's just a, I just struggle. And the people who know me best know, whoo, he struggles. Yeah. And so as I'm putting these let's together, boom, there it is. Put it on the screen. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Isn't that something? The same God who said, let there be light, just said, let this mind be in you, boy. My mind, I'm going to put my mind, Dwight, inside of you because I am your creator. You will have my mind. And then I said to God, as soon as that done, I said, God, oh, I, I know I'll forget this. Would you please remind me constantly? And God says, okay, Gabriel, give the boy a, give, give the boy a break. Let's remind him. And all through the day now, all through the day, boom, 
boom, let this mind be in you. I, before I walk in to talk with somebody who's in trouble, before I walk into a committee, before I walk in, before I step up into this pulpit, before I, I have a conversation, before, before, boom, let this mind be in you, which was in me. You'll be fine. Have I failed? I hang my head in shame because I forget. Even with constant reminders, I forget. But I'm telling you what, these two verses have just rewritten the game plan for my life. Last night late, God and I were talking. I said, God, why did it take you so long to figure this out? <laughs> he says, you're the one that took so long. But I need it now in your life. I need you to know this now. Stuff is beginning to happen, and I need you and me to be like this. Why do I share this with you? Because some of you are struggling right now. Oh, my. You are struggling. There's something you long for that you're not getting. There's something you want to overcome that is not going away. There's a child. There's a spouse. There's, there, 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 there's, there's stuff happening all around you that is hurting you. You are struggling. And I am here to tell you today that the God of the universe, the pre-incarnate Christ who said, let there be light, is saying to you what Jesus said in that little fishing skiff, peace, peace, let there be peace, be still. Forces of darkness around her, forces of darkness inside of him, I command you, be still. The Greek actually reads, be muzzled, shut up. He needs to hear me. She needs to hear the word out of my mouth, not her mind, and not out of yours, dark enemy. God is ready for you. He's going to take you place. You will never be the same again, I promise you. What you've just heard today, it's too late. You know too much. You will never be the same again if you believe with an exclamation mark. Believe. Believe. You got it. I promise you. It may take me as long as it took Isaac to come. But you hang on to me. No plan B like Hagar. Stay away from plan Bs. They'll kill you. You stay with me. I have a dream for your life. And that dream is going to come true. How do I know that's to be true? Oh, let's put this on the cross and put it on the screen. Isn't this something? Isn't this something? First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24. Come on. Put it on the screen. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. I say, ladies and gentlemen, that we say, amen, let it be so, so be it to this promise. What do you say? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, God, a string of verses, but they're all words out of your mouth to these worshipers who have been bowed before you with receptive minds. They have heard your words, and those words have gone deep. Dear God, now operationalize this humble little teaching. Operationalize it. And may they never be the same again as they walk with him who is the creator. <laughs>
of the universe and of us too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.